closer and closer to me coming out to California to finally throw a leg over a motorcycle on a racetrack. Jason Pridmore, are you excited? Oh, over the moon. You think any of this gaming stuff you've been doing lately is going to help you when you get on the real thing? 100%, man. I, you know, I've been doing right? the mindset. You know the what I mean? The visual? Like, you know, the visual of it? Yeah, exactly. It's all about that visual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw your little... Uh, your little thing that you're doing the supercross gaming stuff on uh, online. I saw I saw your little tweet about that or your Instagram or wherever it was at. Yeah, that was cool. When we when we had the podcast on ultimatemotorcycling.com, the owner of that and I were talking and during that time, they got an email from the PR company, I guess, that helps, you know, get some some whatever stuff going for supercross for the game and they sent it to Ultimate Motorcycling and said, do you have anybody on staff who's willing to review this? And like everybody over there was like, oh yeah, we got a guy. So they sent it to me. So yeah. I was waiting for that code for over a month, oh, a month God. and a half. I'm like, come on. Yeah. So the fun, the funniest part is, is Cameron Bobier, who we're going to talk to later in the, well, you know, in the, in the podcast, he's mm-hmm. a super gamer, like crazy. And yep. he plays Supercross 3, I guess, like all the time. And from what Cam Peterson told me, who's also a gamer, Bobier is like an absolute like world level at that yeah. game. Yeah. So I I'm I get the code, I'm playing it, and I shoot some video and I send it to Cam in Spain and he loses his mind, JP. Dude, what are you oh. doing? How'd you get the game? Blah, blah, blah. So I reach out to my contact and I said, Look, I got this guy Cameron, Bobier, blah, blah, blah. He's this, he's that. I want to get some quotes for him in this article. They said, no problem. So they shot him a code. So he's had it since like Friday, oh. I think. And he is like <laughs> So you guys have been playing together a bit? No, I haven't been able to see him because oh, okay. he's, he's been training and, you know, oh. when he gets ready to play in Spain, I, I'm I'm doing stuff in the middle of the day, you know. Can, like, so you can actually be a gamer and train? I, well, I mean, if you're a professional motorcycle rider, I suppose. Well, what if you're I just mean, an average Joe like you, G-Dub? No, there's no time. It's either gaming the, it up. Gaming, eating, and sleeping. Now, if, it's I, all could, about. if yeah. I could game it up while I'm pedaling. I suppose wow. like I could pedal and there was a story about that, Jay. Back in the nineteen I want to say the early eighties, like this made national news. These parents mm-hmm. have you ever see this story? This the parents or kids wanted to watch TV all the time, so they hooked up a bicycle trainer, like uh you remember the you know, just like the normal bicycles you yeah. see at a gym. And yeah. and this dad hooked it up so it, the only way they could watch TV is if they were on pedaling on the bicycle. That's what they should now they'd be arrested for child endangerment or something. <laughs> right? No doubt about it. Yeah. yeah. Crazy, yeah. but well, that's 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 cool. Is it is it a good game though? It's the Supercross, you know, it's about a year ago now. I mean, we're coming up to that 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 you know that historic date when everything shut down. And I remember all of us, me specifically, you know, masking up, gloving up, <laughs> doing yeah. it all, and ripping over to Target and picking up my Xbox so that we could all be playing MotoGP uh, online. I mean, what was there? Probably ten of us at some points at night. Like everybody's getting on there and. Oh, more than that. Up. Yeah, we were, we, yeah, we had a good we'd time. We'd almost fill up an entire lobby of 16 mm-hmm. people sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that that was fun. Um, yeah, I, it, the game's good. Uh, it's definitely good. It's made by the same people, the same uh, company that makes the MotoGP game. So it, Got it. It's, it's super cross, but it has the same kind of look and feel in terms of how everything loads, the menus you navigate through. Yep. And then, but the race play, dude, it is so much 
is so aggravating like mad skills if you know because it's super cross if you don't hit yeah. the jumps and you start like coming up a little bit short that whole section is destroyed man Done. And you just yeah. you're just bouncing around like a total moronski like it was me back in 1998 or 90 like us riding motocross bikes for real yeah exactly yeah, yeah got it he said got but it. anyway look yeah. today in the podcast uh we're going to start you off some news presented by Arai, and then we're going to go into Supercross Daytona and some Supercross Fantasy. We're going to catch up with MotoGP Moto2 racer Cameron Bobier after his first test of 2021. And of course, we're going to talk about what we saw at the first test of the season for the Premier MotoGP class. They tested at Qatar uh, over the last couple of days. So that's pretty much that, unless you have anything else you want to talk about. No, let's, let's kill it. We got Daytona coming up. We... Uh... I guess, you know, we got more testing to talk about. I saw just now it's a post from Joe Roberts, 16 days till he gets to go fast. So first race of the season is approaching quickly in MotoGP. And, of course, we got a new track in World Superbike that I saw this morning was announced that they're going to be going to. So uh, there's a lot to get to. Let's do it. All right, so news presented by Arai. Hey, Jade, do you know that all Arai helmets are lined with an antimicrobial material? Yeah, it's true. The liners inside... Give you odor resistance, dirt resistance, and those antimicrobials you love so much. With spring right on the horizon, you're going to start riding, you're going to start sweating. So you can stay fresher longer and enjoy a nice, comfortable ride in the latest Arai helmet. Check out AraiAmericas.com. Pick out what you like. Head down to your local dealer for fitment and grab yourself a lid while you're there. AraiAmericas.com. Do, 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 do. All right. Now, Jason, this is crazy. And I and I, I kind of feel bad about this, but first sure. of all, although we haven't talked much about Arena Cross this season, maybe once or twice, I want to say a huge congratulations to Phoenix Racing Honda's Kyle Peters. Peters took home his second AMA Arena Cross National Championship. Jason, he did it Ricky Carmichael style. He won 20 for 20 in the main events. Perfect season. Just incredible for yeah. Peters. What a great Yeah, that's great that's job. solid, obviously. It's um you know, to do that is is crazy. I wish Arena Cross. I really liked Arena Cross. Did you? Did you did some announcing there, didn't you? At Arena I did. Cross, yeah, did yeah, you, yeah. Like quite a few of them over the years. Yeah, I, I thought. I, th- I always thought Arena Cross was kind of fun, and I know it's been. It it goes in, it goes out, it dies, it comes back. It, um, but I think Arena Cross is pretty cool. I did an Arena Cross race many many zillion years ago up at the did Cow really? Palace in San Francisco. Yeah, <laughs> pretty crazy. So I yeah I did that. And, well, well, you um, can't. How to go? <laughs> like how to... I don't remember. I, 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 you know, I, I didn't race pro or nothing like that. Um, I remember, uh, I wanted to get a motocross bike to train. So I bought a bike and then there was a big motorcycle show that used to happen up at the cow palace in San Francisco. So my dad would go up there to promote, uh, his school's class. So we found out that there was a race there. And of course I hadn't ridden a motocross bike in about four years. So I bought, I bought an RM two fifty. I loaded it in the van, never ridden it before, ever, and showed up to the to the Cow Palace. I mean, that seems like a logical thing to do, doesn't it? Just go race uh, an arena cross <laughs> race, having never ridden a motorci- motocross bike in two years. And that's what I did. And I remember I made the main. They had heat races and stuff to get to the main. And I made it to the main. I don't know. I probably finished 7th or 8th or 15th or wherever. I don't know. But, but I liked it. I thought it was fun. So my arena cross story is a little different. Yeah. Chris Bond, who is the producer for the Supercross series, I worked with him when I first started in television way back in 1997. And he was producing road racing back then and arena cross. And so we were in 
the office at Chetberg's Productions in Georgia, and we were having a conversation. And he said, wait a second, you've never been on a dirt bike before? And I said, no, the only thing I've ever done is XR100s at American Super Camp. That was my first exposure ever to dirt bikes. And at what, 25 years old, I think, Jay? Yeah. So he said, you know what would be great? We need to get you to an arena cross because they run Friday, Saturday. They mow down the big double in the middle. And on Sunday, they race amateur races. We'll get Mad Mike Jones. Do you remember him, Jay, at all? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get Mad Mike Jones to be our instructor. We're going to shoot this for the show that we were doing back in the day called Bike Week. And at the time, it was hosted by Larry Myers, eventually by Despain. And so they said, we're going to get you out. We're going to shoot it. First time ever on a bike. We'll get you five minutes of coaching. I said, oh, okay. Oh, five minutes me. of coaching. <laughs> That's great. So they, they get We get a KX125 and brand new, right from a dealership, never been ridden before. They prepped it. I go out, Jay, and I'm goon riding, you know, because I oh, come yeah. from super camp. I got elbows up. I got the whole thing. And th- and Mad Mike Jones is crushing me. Oh, so yeah. I get my five minutes. I don't even do a jump. This was, by the way, right before I came out to your house and then fried the clutch on your on your oh, RM125. Yeah. Like, yes. I'm talking a couple days before. That was <laughs> the first time I'd ever been on a bike. Second time ever on a motocross bike was at your house. So... I got the whole shot every single time. The problem was, this was in Baltimore, by the way, and I get the whole shot every single time. The problem was, it takes a left. Eventually, it goes oh, left. Yeah. And yeah, so the yeah. first time, <laughs> I run it, and I go to turn it, and a guy literally got up the inside of me and slammed me into the wall. My pinky got oh, caught between God. the bar and the and the concrete wall, and then the rest of it was, you know, like... but Downhill the from there. Well, no, here's the worst part, okay? And I, I hate to say this. Dude, I beat a guy every time I was in those heat races. I yeah. beat one guy. Yeah, that guy's not on a motorcycle anymore, Greg. I promise you that guy's not on a motorcycle anymore. Anyway, we're in the middle mm. of a ride news. Sorry to bog you down with those. Yeah, stories, that was, that was yeah. Marina Cross, I, I have an affinity for it. And congratulations, dude. Anytime anyone wins 20 for 20, it's a big deal. That's so big Mark, deal. Mark Marquez and Repsol Honda put out a video at the beginning of the week. And Mark says that he is not sure when he's going to return to racing, but it sounds like it's sooner than later, Jay. One of the key things he said was, Two weeks ago, it was like week to week. Now it's day to day. Fingers crossed that Marquez returns soon. Did you get a chance to watch that video? It's been I did. Oh, you I did. did. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, you know me because I'm not on there very much anymore. Yeah, I I try to keep up on things, but um, but I did watch that video. It interests me. He looked good. Um, I think the one I watched, the video that I watched, they kind of basically said that even if he's not ready to come back right this second, um, he's going to have the two. Uh, what was it? He's going to have his two dogs are going to be the best shaped Dutch hounds that of any dogs ever. Cause he's been running a lot. Um, I think it all looked pretty positive. Um, one of the things I liked that he said was, you know, used to be week to week. Now it's day to day. Um, doing, doing a lot of what you do off a bike is one thing, but he's not really going to know till he takes, you know, gets those handlebars in his hands right off the bat. First time he'll, he'll get a general idea where he is at. And I saw this morning, Greg, that he is on the entry list for like for the ent- for the provisional start of the year. Um, he does have a you know it, it's it's interesting to see because we've heard all kinds of things things saying he's not going to be coming back or not maybe be ready for the beginning of the year, and they must have felt like for this first uh, this, this this first test anyways, and even probably this next test, going to keep him off the bike. You know, he's going to show up at Doha on a bike that that. You know, it's not going to be completely unfamiliar to him, but you got to think that it's an 18 race series or 19 race series now, is it? And he's just going to try to get those points early and then hopefully by mid season or before turn into the Mark Marquez that we know. 
a stick and ball athlete has an ACL injury. They have surgery, they rehab it, they come back. Typical story. Cautious the first time you're going to make a cut, you know, if you're in football or whatever, or, you know, kind of testing it to see, even though the trainer, the doctors, do you think this is that type of injury for Mark Marquez in terms of like, oof, I'm going to have to test this? Like, do you think it's along those lines? I know physically the injury is different. It's not an ACL. Correct. Yeah, I was just going to say, this is a bone. This is a bone. But I'm saying mindset-wise, Jason, mindset-wise, do you think for Mark that it's going to be that same type of situation mentally that the ACL people coming back deal with? Generally, what I used to always feel was that on Friday practices, when I was out there actually testing it, it was really all about the injury on that day. I would be out there riding, and yeah, I'd be be focusing on what I needed to focus on, but I was really trying to take note of how my body felt and whatever body part that I was coming back from. And generally for me, G-Dub, it was always a bone. It was a break. It was either my legs or wrists or something like that. And it was, am I coming back too soon? Am I not coming back soon enough? You know, and by, by Friday afternoon or evening, I, I had a lot more confidence in the injury. So he's going to have to kind of ride himself into shape, even though he's physically very, very fit right now. Uh, you heard what he was basically saying. He gets up at eight in the morning, nine to 11 is his first gym session. Uh, and I think he said from 1130 to one, he's running around a bicycle, has some food, does whatever. Then he has another session in the afternoon. Um, and then he relaxes for a little bit and he's in bed by 10. So, uh, it sounds like the routine he's on for the last eight weeks uh, has been pretty much the same. So he's doing everything he can to get himself ready. That first day on the bike, I don't think it's going to be He's not going to be worried about times as much as he's going to be worried about, hey, if I put this thing behind me now, like, do can we go forward from here? In other words, when he when he gets on the bike, is he going to feel pain? Is he going to feel sharpness up in that humerus bone that he broke? Um, you know what what? How does it feel after he gets that confidence and knowing that his arm is okay? Then he'll be right back to where he was. He'll be the guy that we know because once he has the confidence and realizing, okay, it's healed. It's not going to do anything silly. Let's move forward. That'll be a big thing. I mean, worst fear, G Dub, is obviously to have the thing rebreak while you're riding. You know, especially that's, throttle, that's what I'm throttle thinking. hand, like, throttle I, hand, I, and stuff like that. Yeah, how does that not like sit in the back of your mind at least that first couple of sessions, like you're saying? And no question. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna keep a close eye on him, especially the first couple sessions that he goes out and does. This is presuming that he's at Doha in what two weeks. Um, but when he says day to day, and we're a little over two and a half weeks out. Uh, when he says he's day to day right now, that kind of lets me know that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on a cart track in the next five days, week, whatever on a super motard bike or something, just testing it. That's, he's not going to fly to Doha without doing that. I can promise you. Um, well, that's the other thing to consider. He's, we're going to know because he's got to get on a plane to get into Doha. It's not like it is in the old days where he can get off a plane, you know, Thursday night or Friday morning and get on the bike. You've got to quarantine. You've got to do those things. Yeah, so there's going to be a little bit of a buffer there as well. So there'll be some of that, but I think that I think, and in and in fairness, when you think about it, and this is what we're all hope, hoping does not happen. Obviously, is if he if he does have a problem with the arm now, then it's I mean, you don't want to say it's career ender, but at that point, you got to think that it's not going to be good. So I think that the video seemed very very positive. I'm stoked for him. I hope that he's able to come back. I think he'll be the same rider he was before his incident. Um, you know, he's got a lot of mental strength and tenacity about him, obviously. So he'll be the Jason. same guy. Hey, Jason, have you ever yeah. had a tank slapper and broken the smallest bone in your body? Oh, Moto America super sport racer, Nate Minster, <laughs> who finished seventh in last year's championship will race 
for the Dean Standish-owned Pure Attitude Racing this season. Still only 18 years old. Minster has been around for several years. What do you think about the move for Minster getting on that ride in Supersport? Great. He's a good kid, man. He's a really nice guy. I've known him and his dad for years. I mean, it's funny. I saw the press release with him and, and Trevor um, doing or, yeah, doing their thing this this year. I think they have a couple other kids on the team as well. One in, one in uh, I think, uh, junior cup and then another super sport rider, but regardless, um, or maybe there are, maybe there are three super sport guys. Um, I think it's great. At least Nate knows he's got a, a, a place to race this year. I think yeah. he did a lot of things last year with, it was TSC to start. And then I think he went with N2 after that ends up seventh in the championship. So, um, we'll see if he can build on that from last season. You talked about this a little earlier. World Superbike has announced on Tuesday of this week that a new racetrack will be put on the 2021 calendar, kind of right in the middle towards the end of August, the Navarra Circuit. It's located in northern Spain. It's been around since 2010, Jay. It's about two and a half miles long, a little bit short, like 2.44, something like that. It's got 15 corners, mostly rights. They have nine of them. The longest straightaway is about a half mile. They have had like FIA GT1 World Championship races. Um, it'll be a world Superbike and world super sport only race, I guess. Um, have you ever heard of this circuit before? I have heard of it. I've I actually have heard of it, but I've never seen it. So I saw, I was looking at the photos of it today. It looks really interesting. Um, it's good that they're able to add another round. I mean, I know world Superbike. they don't get started till May, right? Is it May yeah, they start? May. I mean, last year, didn't they start at the end of February, didn't they? I think they started at the end of February they at Phillip Island. They did one round, and then, yeah. the, the, and then COVID, the pandemic hit, and they had like a big gap. So I think they started Phillip Island, and there was a huge layoff. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's good that they're able to add a round. It'll be interesting to see what that that is like. I didn't see that in our rundown, so sorry I brought that up earlier. But they is it? It's in the it's up top of Spain, isn't it, Greg? Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah, it's yeah. in northern Spain. It's yeah. It's interesting, Jay, because I looked at the track and honestly, it looks like an eight year old made the track on a Netcha sketch to me. Like it's a very the old computer generated, like you yeah, like the to old talk computer about. generated yeah. track. Yeah. But the facility looks fantastic, and yeah, it does. just because the 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 outline does you know looks very angled and very you know basic, it doesn't really mean that it's not a challenging course. And there have been plenty of motorcycles that have raced there over the years, so. Uh, it should be interesting. So that's, that's kind of great. the news, unless you want to talk about Jorge Lorenzo sounding off on Twitter about Kyle Crutchlow and all the BS. And all that <laughs> stuff. You know, I think that Jorge, it, there, there, there's two ways of looking at this stuff with Lorenzo. I think that there's part of him that just is probably sitting wherever he's sitting and just going, you know, I'm going to throw this out there and just get something started. Like, yeah, I think he just, I think he's a little bit of it's for fun. And then there's another part of it when you go, God, it's such a douchey move to like just. I mean, we live in that world now where it's better to be controversial because it gets people talking than it is to to um, just sit quietly on your hands. And it's not generally something that we've seen from other world champions in the past that will just dig on other riders. Like you're not going to see, you know, Wayne Rainey or Mick Doohan or or Valley, even for that matter, or or any of them really just kind of talking trash about somebody. His vendetta against Crutchlow seems. Um, yeah, seems a little personal, obviously. Um, did you see let, the let, video? Let, 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 hold on, let's fill people in just in case they don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, so, yeah. In essence, MotoGP posted something about um, Cal Crutchlow wasn't the only one caught out in turn two today. Several riders fell down. So they had a, a basically a picture of Crutchlow in the gravel trap. And of course, Cal Crutchlow is now the Yamaha test rider and 
Jorge Lorenzo is not. So Lorenzo simply tweeted, I told you, and then had that emoji where your hands are in the air. And then Jack Miller sounded off and said, uh, you know, something like, how about you grow up, mate, seriously, stop behaving like a child, something along those lines. And then that on top of that, Alicia Spargaro chimed in and started to say something against Lorenzo. Then Lorenzo clapped back and said, like, 18 years in MotoGP with no win, your manager must be fantastic. <laughs> but they have the, the fact same that manager. you still have the fact that you have a ride is magic or something in your something like that. Because oh, that's because they have the same manager, right? Oh, so, I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. So for sure, the to me, again, dude, this is no different than when email first started to come out or a text message. You don't really understand the tone. Even even though he's putting laughing laughing emojis in and all that stuff, it's like, wait a second, is this serious? I think you're right. I think that some of Lorenzo is like literally sitting on a floaty in a pool with his phone, just giggling his ass off, going, "I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm rich, suck it." Ba-boom. Have you pulled? Have you pulled up? You got to look at his Instagram. Like, look at it right now because if you look at him, he's somewhere at some islands. He's doing. He's somewhere. He's hanging out. He's is just he enjoying seeing? his. Oh yeah, no, he's. You got to see where he's at and. He does this video of himself walking out the door, spreading open the curtains. He's in a robe, and he just takes a robe off and just jumps straight out into the ocean, like in this beautifully blue, clear water. And and he looks like he weighs about 200 pounds now, if you look at him. And that was part of the My reason why he, why he doesn't have a testing job anymore, because, you know, he's going and he's three seconds off the pace. He's not fit. And, and you know, I mean, essentially, that's why he's not testing anymore, because he, you know, Nobody took him serious. The last test he went to, people couldn't believe the way he showed up and he was way off the pace and this and that. You, you, what you got to appreciate about somebody like Cal Crutchlow, he's, he, you know, he's removed now from the racing side of it. Uh, I'm sure he'll get some wild cards this year. I haven't actually read to see if that's actually the case, but you got to think that they'll probably offer him the same kind of wild cards that they had offered Lorenzo. But he's always going to be fit and he's always going to be ready and he's always going to be motivated and ready to go. So, I mean... You know, that's why they hired him. That's why they hired, you know, Crutchlow. So, and as far as what he says about Aleish, uh, you know, again, you got to look at <laughs> what rides has Aleish really had. I mean, he's been on, how long has he been with Aprilia now? Six since, years? Since the beginning of the program, I mean, right? Six, yeah. five, six years. I don't know. Maybe one year or two years after. Yeah, he's been. Yeah, it's not like he's been on the bike to win. No, I think, so, didn't he go CRT mm, straight to Aprilia? I think so, because that was Aprilia, kind of the knock, 100%. like. That was the knock because it was like, well, he didn't have any electronics experience, and that's been the thing. But, dude, we're going to talk about him a little bit because the guy can ride. But, listen, overall, I just think it's kind of funny. Like, I don't – I just – I don't put a lot of stock into people belly aching on Twitter and on – you know, like – Oh, yeah, no, no. uh, no. You know, it's it's kind of fun. I think it's funny. It's – what what really cracks me up is the press jumping on it. Like, I've said this since the beginning of Twitter. Anytime I see a news story – where news organizations are reporting on what people say on Twitter. It, that, that's just clickbait to me. Like, who cares? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. it's yeah, you're literally reporting on comments now, that you don't even know who these people are. And you're like, oh my God, did you know that this person said this about Meghan Markle yeah. and whoever her husband is? You know, like all that garbage. And I just giggle because I'm like, really? Somebody's yeah. gonna click on that and read about it. It's like no, crazy. it's just it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, anyway, it, it'll be interesting to see how that all ends up. And those guys, I'm sure, are gonna keep going back and forth. But G Dub, it's Tuesday, and we got race week coming up. Daytona 200 this week. Now I remember this race being the race of races back in the day. I mean, when I was a kid, it was always like, let's get to Daytona. You'd see that Rolex race. You'd see NASCAR. You the build up. I mean, there was a time when we were down there for two weeks straight back in the oh, day. Yeah. I mean, it was like you'd spend quarter of your budget half your budget in the year just being in florida 
Um, I've been down there for all kinds of craziness where it's been postponed a week, where it's been postponed a day, but they are going to run the Daytona 200 this week. Where we had a red flag for three and a half hours. Oh God, that was, that was brutal. And yeah, that was amazing. That was one of my first TV gigs with you that we talked about before <laughs> yeah. where, uh, yeah, you and I had to interview every writer and I, I didn't know what I was doing. So probably still don't. Um, but anyways, defending champ two years removed from his win there, Kyle Wyman. I know he's on his way. I've been kind of going back and forth with him, but I've got the entry list pulled up in front of me. And it's really an interesting, when you start looking at some of the names that are on here now, Josh Heron is listed, and we'd have to maybe reach out to him. Again, this is just something that I saw this morning, but I don't believe he's going. And I don't believe that because I think Kyle has that bike as his backup bike. If you remember, Gary Dean built that bike from Speed Demon, and uh, I don't think Josh is doing the race. He is I don't on think the, he is either. I don't he's think. on the entry list, though. But when you start looking down, I see Michael Dunlop, who, Greg, I got to meet Michael Dunlop uh, a week or so ago. Got to ride with him a little bit out at Chuckwalla. What? Just what a good guy. Super good dude. Just uh, very relaxed, chill. Enjoyed riding with him and being out there with him. Another guy I look at, Tyler O'Hara. Um, Tyler obviously won our Battle of the Baggers up there at um, Laguna Seca. And he puts a lot into this 200. So you look at him. Now, did you see Kevin Almeida is actually on this list on a I 600 did. Yamaha? So it'll be interesting to see if that is something that happens. We see Xavier Zayat. Dave Anthony is on this list. Again, I saw him a week or two ago. Never really made mention of it. I wonder if he's actually going. And uh, we'll, we'll know here shortly. Um, who else? Sheridan Marias, a guy I know from overseas. But he's not going to make it because he couldn't get the 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 right COVID tests and stuff to get uh, out of South Africa, which is a shame. Um, and I saw he's riding for like the Pens team. My old team that I used to ride with um, – Oh, in yeah, in world endurance, so I see Barney's on the list yeah. again. Don't know if that's the case. Uh, DeSalvo's on the list. How about SDK? Sean Dylan Kelly's on the list. Looks like says he's you know, and I'm sure he's got a test bike that he rides that they've probably sorted out so that he could try to go down there. I mean, he's a Florida. He's, he lives in Florida, right? SDK lives in yeah, Florida. SDK. Yeah, he's in Florida. So why wouldn't he do it if he's down there and he can get his hands on a bike? Uh, he's on the entry list. Taylor Knapp, and you know, well, Dunlop. don't forget the, the the M4 team is based in Alabama. Yeah, Alabama, so yeah, no, yeah, the, yeah, they're bringing the truck yep. down. That's yeah. perfect. If they do that, I mean, yeah, I mean that's 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 the guy that everybody's going to be chasing. I mean, without question, SDK's the guy they're chasing. Taylor Knapp, uh, Dunlop test rider, he's on the list as as a guy to go. My buddy Chris Sabora, who's been hanging out at Chuckwalla. Coming back from a collarbone, he he's a good dude. He'll be. I see Danny Eslick is on here. Um, again, this we'll see if that happens. Andrew Lee, uh, former two-time Superstock champ. I actually talked to him this morning, so he's down there. Jason Farrell, who we've seen. Max Flinders, another guy, um, is on here that we see at Moto America races. Brandon Posh is on here. Brandon, is he going to do the TSC thing? I wonder. I'm just looking I to wonder. see if I can see. That might be a holdover uh, from yep. last year. I wonder Track if it's Triumph. suspension engineering. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I wonder if it's Triumph contract. Gets in the way. I haven't talked to him in a few weeks, so I don't know. Well, he hasn't been over to – I don't think he's been over to England yet and ridden ridden that bike, right? So, not sure. No, but he has He has a Triumph in the States. He's been riding the same bike, basically. Got it. Um, but got it, we'll, got it. I don't know if he's 
contractually allowed to ride a Yamaha or not because he's listed as a Yamaha. So some of these might be carryovers from last from year. From the year, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they, you would think, though, if that is the case, that you'd see Josh Hayes' name on here, and I didn't see well, that. Well, they got it so. taken off because he, Melissa basically, I think, called up and said, hey, he's not racing. We're so, not doing it. Yeah. yeah, that's why I think you see Josh Heron's name on here because maybe the, their call wasn't made. Yep, Dom Doyle, former junior cupper, who's going to be racing 600s this next year for BarkCon. He is on the entry list for the 200. Um, Max Angles, another guy we've seen in Moto America who got hurt, I believe, at Pittsburgh, broke his collarbone. So we didn't see him. We didn't see him for the rest of the season. But another guy who does really, really well. Uh, going down the list here a little bit more. I know there's just like a, I saw that John Ashmead's going back again. Carl Ashmead. Yep. I was there the year John Ashmead won that race. Were you really? Yeah. What was that 89? 89. I was there. I was actually there. What I, a pull I, G dub. Woohoo. That's a pretty good pull. That's pretty good. But pull. anyways, 200's going. I believe it's on NBC this week. NBC it's on, it's on the NBC or gold. gold pass. It's on ah, the gold got pass. It. Okay. So if you have the gold pass, it'll be streaming live. Yep. Uh, if, if, if you're curious, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not familiar with the Daytona 200, it's a unique race. They do it at the Speedway on the road course. So you use a little bit of the banking, but it is a 200 mile race that is a solo race. So you have. I think you're required a minimum of two pit stops and uh and you ride it all yourself and it is gnarly and it used to be done in jason's day on full-blown super bikes yeah and it was it was something to behold really i i will never forget the year i believe i believe we had we had the, the year i was with jordan um one of the last years of of the race um and you know by then it might have become no i think it was still the 200 but we had bad wrist pins or we had something going on with our motors and I think I blew three motors or four motors in practice between me. Oh, and your lips must have been burned. It was guy. bad. Yeah, exactly. Well, I can't. I remember coming off the turn four banking, going down the front straightaway, and right as you tip into the trioval, Greg, the motor blew. And I was so oh scared gosh. to tip it into the trioval because um, I was worried about oil all over the all over my tires. And I literally rode right up along the wall, like probably four feet off the wall on the trial just i just was barely leaning the bike and i got down to turn one the motor had blown so big it had blown out the front and it had blown out the rear like i had two gigantic holes in the motor wow yeah and i remember thinking to myself that's it for me i'm i am over this place like riding the thousands around that that track um you know for sprint race times it's it, during sprint races you could do you know the, the ccs races down there that are six laps long or whatever but man when you started getting to to like the 18, 19, 20 lap mark on a tire. Cause I think we used to pit like, I want to say like lap 19. I think the race is 52 laps. So you'd, you'd kind of pit like, I believe it was like lap 19 on the thousands, but man, by lap six, your tires were all over the place. And it just was, it was like, you're just kind of holding on, you know, like the guys that did amazing. there, like the Russells and the Maladins and the Duhamels. Um, you know, they had this innate ability to be able to really control a tire and be okay with the thing all over the place. But I kind of, I, I was one of those guys that like, I, I, I enjoyed the race to an extent, but it got to the point where you're drafting guys that are going 20 mile an hour slower. And we started seeing guys crash on the bankings. I think going to a 600 format, a lot of people were against it. I think it's better because it does seem a little bit safer as far as the tire stuff goes. Um, but man, the problem with this race is you get 20 quality guys that are riding and then the rest, is just a little bit sketch. 
That's true. And you run into a lot of lap traffic. And the difference in this race, too, is it's not really about outright speed, is it? It's about kind of managing that middle stint and making sure that you're there in the lead group and your pit crew makes a huge difference in terms of how you pit. There's oh, man. strict restrictions on all that stuff. It's a fun race to watch. It was a fun race to, to commentate. I've actually never in all my years, I've never done the 200. And it's something that I've always thought, like, I would like to give that a go someday because I enjoyed endurance racing. Wow. You know, anybody gets a chance. There's to so endurance. many stories. There's so many stories to this, uh, to the 200. There's so much tactical stuff that you have to think about. And as a writer, you know, it's as, as, as a writer racer, you were never really taught, you know, I remember that the, the greats of this race, the in-laps and the out-laps are so key. And I really didn't understand that as well as I probably should have back when I was racing. You know, your in-laps, when you see the inboard, you have got to charge into pit lane. And I remember back in the day when there was no speed, speed limit on pit lane and guys would come onto the front, come onto the out of turn four banking and they'd come on to pit lane at you know 120 mile an hour because most of the guys were at the very very end of pit lane if you remember greg oh yeah and, i remember scott russell booking in 120 oh, plus yeah like just full on coming down pit lane and um and and getting out of there was good as well i mean you had to do a tremendous outlap and there were so many things that can happen with um, you know, power tools not working or a rear tire not getting in or fuel not getting all the way in. You got to make sure you get that thing filled so that you can stay on whatever uh, rotation you're on as far as your pit stops go. So there's a lot of stuff. And, and when you see these guys that have won it three, four, five times, um, it's a credit uh, to, to them and their teams because to win this race isn't the easiest thing to do. So Kyle Wyman going back, defending his championship. It'll be, it'll be fun to watch. We got that and Supercross this weekend to watch while we're sitting at Chuckwalla. Good luck, everybody. All right, we're going to talk some MotoGP now, Jay. Before we yeah, get into the first couple days of testing, and since Moto2 tested days before that um, at Portimao, including our guy Cameron Bobier, we wanted to get you up to speed on what the Moto America Superbike champ is up to. Now, first of all, he has relocated to Europe. So I started out, you know, with the conversation of the old, you know, so where did you decide to base yourself in Europe, Cameron? Right now, I, I I rented a house for the year um, outside Barcelona. It's in this town called Villanova. It's right on the it's right on the water, kind of by Sieges, and um, it's really cool. I guess it's yeah, it's south of Barcelona. And I looked up the town originally, um, and me and Zemke came here and uh, had dinner and just kind of walked around when we flew over here for the test last year. I looked up to town because Wayne Rainey said that he lived here when uh, he was racing over here. And cause I was picking his brain when I was talking to him a couple months ago, just on uh, like what, like what spots he liked when he was over there and, and stuff like that. I guess the Momolas live somewhat close over here too, but I'm really, I dig my, my spot. It's uh, it's pretty freaking cool. It's right by the water. There's, if I knew there was all these mountain bike trails all over the place, I would I would have brought my mountain bike instead. I brought my road bike, which there's still some awesome riding for road bikes around here too. I've been just kind of exploring, going on you know little jog here and there, and uh, riding my bicycle and kind of going and getting lost in my bicycle, which is cool. It's awesome, man. Like it's it's so cool, but it's just all the little stuff at home that's simple, you know, like going to the grocery store and all that stuff. That that's like the the kind of challenging parts here because you know i just i don't 
speak Spanish or nothing, but yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. You, you didn't relocate when you were racing world Superbike that one season, you were flying back and forth or did you, I was, I was a little bit back and forth and I was in England cause I had fam, I have so much family in England. So it was a quick little easy flight for me on any, you know, over there, they've got a couple of different airlines that are like Southwest, right? Southwest airlines, just, you can fly up and down the coast here in California that were really easy. Um, and so I would just jump on a plane and, and rip back to England. But, you know, the, you know, when you stay in Spain or when you stay in one of those places and you hear him kind of say this place is really cool, you get used to all the grocery shopping and you get used to all that stuff. It, it doesn't take much to get used to, but you got to really want want to be over there and, and do all that stuff. And, you know, just listen to him now. He's like, hey, I got a great spot. And how cool is it that he can, you know, talk to a guy like Wayne and, rainy and, and, and you can say, well, I, I actually stayed in this area. And now however many years later, Cam's doing the same thing as an American going over there and kind of staying where Wayne did. And, um, you know, you heard him talk about Jake Zemke being in there with him. He's, he's got a lot of support. It's just getting comfortable and being happy. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You know? So he mentioned yeah. he brought his, uh, his bicycle over. He also brought his Xbox, by the way, as you know, since I mm-hmm. told you that already, yeah. that was it. Don't like literally other than clothes. He's like, I just needed my bicycle and my Xbox and have good internet. And then beyond that, I'm good. So, um, but Jay, he's only been there about a week and a half or something. And he's already had a crazy schedule. He said he flew into Spain, went to his house, signed the contract for the rental. The next day he drove five hours to the team shop in France. He did some PR stuff there. Then he came home, spent two days figuring stuff out. Like he said, the groceries and all the surroundings. And then it was off to the test. And at that point, I asked the next logical question, which was, so Cameron, how was the test? It was good. It was, uh, that quarter mile is crazy, man. Like that track is, that track just, I played it a little bit on, uh, on that ride for damn on Xbox, just to like figure out where I was going. And, uh, when I got there though, I walked the track and I was like, oh my gosh, like there's so much elevation, elevation change, which like we have a lot of elevation change at home and stuff like that. Um, but I've been riding those tracks for so long that it's just, I can ride them with my eyes closed, you know, and this, this track in particular has so many fast, like rolling elevation changes with, with like kind of like the last corner, you come into the last corner and, and you think you need to like slow down and grab a couple back shifts, but you literally leave it in fourth gear, break a little bit and you're just right back to the gas as soon as you crest the hill. And it's, it was tough to, it was tough to learn like how to go fast on the track. You know, like I, I picked up the track pretty quick after a couple stents out, but just like put speed into it, you know, that was another thing. So, uh, Remy Gardner passed me, like I left the pit lane and it was like my third stent out or something like that. And I looked back behind me and I saw him coming and I just like, kind of pulled off to the side of the track and, and then got in behind him. And I was going to try to, you know, just like get somewhat, what of a toe. I knew he was obviously going faster than me, but just to try to kind of see what he's doing. And he was gone in like two corners. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I, like I have to go that fast, you know? <laughs> um, but you know, slowly like just chipping away throughout the, the couple days I got better and better. And it was, it was good. You know, like the first day, um, I was pretty far down the timesheet. There was a lot of, a lot of the fast guys there. Uh, most of the fast guys there. And I was pretty far down this timesheet, but, uh, I feel like the timesheet didn't really show like the positives that 
that we had out, out of that day at the end, like every time someone would crash, they would red flag the, the session. And we'd, for whatever reason, I think that track, like this track surface is pretty new and it wasn't like hot or nothing out. It was only, it was like 60 degrees and like the sun would peak out and then it would go away. And it'd so the track wasn't really that hot and we kept cold tearing tires. So after like five or six laps, your tires are just done. And then you just, you're a second and a half off the pace pushing as hard as you can because you're riding around on shredded tires. So that made it a little bit difficult for me. Just, yeah, just knowing that like, I, I'm only going to do a good lap time on brand new tires, you know? And when I'm, when you're that far down the timesheet and you know that like, like you can't go any faster on the, your shredded tires and you're waiting for that new set and you're trying to like get the bike kind of dialed in on bad tires, it's, you know, it's frustrating. And then, we'd put new tires on and it would get red flags. So, and then we ended up putting new tires on right at the end of the day. And then my bike died. There was like a fuse broke or I don't know, a fuse went out or something like that. But anyways, it was, it was like a good first day. It was like really good just to like do a bunch of laps on that bike and just get, get comfy on the bike. And, uh, obviously I'm so happy that I got to ride there and, see that track before we go back there and race. Cause that would be a tough track to learn. Like when everyone else knows it on a race weekend. So that was really good. Slept on it road Wednesday and everything was going pretty good. Like I got up to speed pretty quick. It was a little bit windier. Like the conditions weren't as good on Wednesday, but I had no, I, you know, I'm figuring out the bike, figuring out the track, going a little faster, ended up, I was around fifth, um, right before lunch. And then I ended up crashing on, uh, I tucked the front on the outside curb before that big, like crest, like where everyone was like the wheelie hill. I tucked the front on the outside paint. It just went like that. Like it was just gone, but it was good to like, know why I crashed, you know, like there was a reason why I crashed. And as soon as I went back out after they fixed the bike, I went back out and I saw, I saw my tire mark and my, my crash mark right on the curb. So I was like, oh, okay. All right. Like that's why got my confidence back. Just spun some more laps on, uh, like kind of beat up tires and kept going throughout the day. And, uh, yeah, I went, you know, went a little faster there at the end and I did it on my own, which was, I was happy about, but, uh, yeah, just just kind of slowly chipping away throughout the day and uh it was good all right i know you've taken notes so go for it well the one thing that he said is he's got to you know when he looks back and he sees remy gardner coming at him he's got to see the pace now i mean the pace that guy's going to be obviously one of the front runners this year obviously one of the odds on favorites will remy be because of the team he's on and and he's got his time in over there so to see that very early in the test is a good thing. Uh, it's got to be a little intimidating when you see guys disappearing that way and you kind of think, wow, what am I doing over here? But as does Cameron do, he, he works very, very hard and he's very diligent in the process of what he does things. I'm sure he's being a little bit coy. I'm sure he got up to speed really, really quick. You heard him say he he actually learned the layout pretty quickly, but the nuances of Portimao, I've been there, are 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 interesting because, Greg, there's – it's a lot like, if you can imagine, G-Dub, to me, Portimao kind of reminded me of Sonoma on steroids. It was bigger and faster than what Sonoma is. Um, for those that don't know, Sears Point, anyways. Um, 
it's kind of like it's it's a lot of big heavy elevations and things and it would be a very difficult track i think greg to learn on a weekend so if you just rolled out of there friday morning practice um and all of a sudden you got to learn it i think it would be difficult you heard him talk about the last corner there these guys come out of that last they, they two turns from the end is a, is a big long downhill right hander and from there they're up shifting into fourth uh, kind of short shifting into fourth and going up over the top of this rise into a, a downhill right hander the last corner that is so steep that it it you kind of fall off the face of the earth um very very interesting circuit uh i think that for cameron the other thing too is you got to remember he was kind of getting used to a new bike um i think those two things together make things seem a little bit overwhelming. Had he gone back to Portimao and it was in the middle of the season or the end of the season and he'd never ridden there before, the team's going to have data on the track and it would not take him long. And we live in such a digital age now where you can you can, you can can get so much information about these circuits wherever you go that you can learn them really, really fast. So I don't think that that would have been a very difficult thing for him to do had it not been for a new bike, new team, new everything. But all of it together would have been a bit overwhelming if they just showed up there for round one, let's just say, and that's where it was, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Also, so. the other thing, too, is that, you know, when I was talking to Cameron, I was like, dude, you only got a couple days on the bike, like like maybe three or four days total on the bike. And I was curious to find out, like, had he even sorted out his his body position on the bike, you know, and, and sorted all that stuff out. And, um, you know, we often call it ergonomics on a motorcycle. But, you know, speaking to that, this is what he said about it. At Jerez last year, I I asked for like a flatter bar bend because like the other, the bars they run are super steep. They're like a twelve degree bar, and I'm used to like big old superbike bars, you know, flat bars. And that's what I've been running the past couple years. We went with those, and when I crashed, they didn't have any more of those like flat bars because no one else runs them in the class. They were going to get more made, you know, for for Qatar and stuff like that, but. We ended up putting on like the same bend that Marcos runs and pretty much everyone in the, in the Moto2 pits. And I was like kind of bummed about it. But then when I like went out and rode with them, I was like, man, like these are actually, you know, really nice. Like it was able to, I was able to like kind of unlock my upper body a little bit. And that's what I've been struggling with a little bit is hanging off um, to get the bike to turn in some of the faster corners. And so I was actually pretty, pretty happy with it. And yeah, and like towards the end of the day, I didn't, I set like a decent lap time. Uh, I did like a couple of them in a row, but I kept just making mistakes here and there. Like I didn't piece together like a, like a great lap or nothing. But so I think that's why I'm, uh, I'm feeling like somewhat positive coming out of the test. Cause I know I didn't, I think my ideal lap was like, it was like seven or eight tenths faster than, uh, than what I actually went. So I was happy about that. And like, mid pack or whatever on the timesheet, but I don't even care. You know, it was, uh, it was a good positive first test and just learning the team, learning the bike. And, uh, my crew chief, Luca, he's a, he's a great guy and he's, uh, he's been a big help and he's been super positive with me and it's been, it's been really cool. So I noticed that, uh, like one big thing that I didn't really think I was going to struggle with as bad is just getting the freaking throttle open. Like I, I'm super early to the gas, which I've always been, you know, on my 600s and the thousand and stuff like that. But just getting the thing open, like getting the thing to wide open throttle, because the way those bikes are like they, when you've the first crack of the gas, like there's quite a bit of torque 
but then it flattens out so quick that you can roll on so much earlier than you think you can. But it's so hard. It's easier said than done. Like it's so hard to tell my brain to just open the gas, you know? So yeah, that's what I was struggling with a little bit, but I think it'll come with, with time. Dude. How, how great is the honesty on that? Number one, number two, he's a human being. Number three, no traction control on Moto2 bikes right now. So I know you took notes. More to talk about. Well, I'll tell you the thing I noticed about this. And I don't know if you knew, you know, he slid it in there. And all of our listeners, I'm sure, probably caught it. What did he end up off the pace there? Do you remember? He ended up... Was like- was like, he like one, like it was 1. like one 2. second. Yeah. But it was like because one second like, or something, right? Remy went four tenths of a second quicker than second place, Joe Roberts. Right. And, and he was six tenths of a second about off of Joe Roberts. So he says my best, if I put it all together with a, with kind of a, a chuckle, he's like, I was seven tenths quicker if you put my splits together. So what he's getting at is that, you know, when he would go out, you, you, the, the beginning of our conversation with him, the conversation that you had with him was, you know, it was kind of strange because we'd go out, we'd get a new set of tires and red flag would come out. And so he'd go back out. But by then the tires had two or three laps on them and they were shredded. And then he was out there riding around on shredded tires because when you repave a track or do something to a track, the edges of the surface are so much sharper that you'll have tires that will cold tear. Like he said, even though it wasn't that cold, uh, the surface of the track does that. So a lot of times these guys when when that happens is you, you want to try to get if you're looking to get an ideal time or an actual run on a tire you, you got to time it perfectly hopefully there's no wind and the, the outside temperature is right where it needs to be and there you don't have any traffic at a test you can go out and try to do two or three hard laps now when you listen to what cam said it kind of sounded like every time we put a tire on something kind of weird happened and i didn't really get to get out and do that my ultimate best time but if you put my sectors together, it was about seven tenths quicker, which if what you just told me, Greg, is what it actually was, that puts him basically second overall um, if, if Remy was. So it's not taken him long to kind of get used to what this is. Now, when he talks about opening the throttle, he's coming from bikes that had TC. And if you remember when he jumped on the attack bike uh last year with with Richard he was actually talking about how the electronics all were such a bigger advancement for him with Richard than they were before that he was getting that thing to wide open throttle in places that he never had imagined doing so so it's taken him a little bit of time to readjust now he probably jumped on this bike and thought prototype chassis the bike will go wherever it needs to go um and so the throttle should be getting opened even quicker but these bikes do have a lot of torque these triumph motors have a lot of torque Bike's not quite the direction it needs to be, and he's a little bit hesitant with how quickly he can open up the throttle because of the fact that there is that torque. And when a bike spins up in the torque curve, it's a lot harder to catch than if it spins up in a higher RPM range. So if you imagine these guys, you know, back back in the day, thousands were so much harder to ride 15 years ago or more because if you got them in the torque curve on the edge of the tire, a lot, there were guys that could ride them there, and then there was guys that could get to a spot where, oh, I'm going to just open the gas because the power is not hitting as hard. If it spun up in that torque curve, it was a lot harder to catch it. If it started to high side on you because it would spin up into the horsepower curve uh, or, or or into a higher RPM range and it would spit you. Um, so he's, he's having to readapt a little bit to some of that stuff, it sounds like to me. Um, and, and, you know, he's going to be going to the track. I think it's the next track these guys go to is Doha, right? So it's going to be a lot flatter than Portimao. Um the turns there are 
a lot more flowing. So there's only a couple of slow corners in Doha. Doha is going to be a lot faster entries into corners and a lot more flowing. Where Portimao is a little bit more stop and start, even though it does have a flow to it, much more elevation, uh, a lot more things to take into consideration when you're going uphill, downhill, accelerating side hills and that kind of thing. Doha will be a little bit flatter. Uh, there's more on the horizon, but before I get to the next one, which is really what he's got coming up, because they actually go test before Doha. Um, have you? Oh, yeah, where, do, where do they go? Where do they go before that? I do. They they go to Jerez again one more time. I'll hold. All right. Well, here here's the answer. Yeah, I'm going to Jerez for. I think I'm only going to ride one day at Jerez. We have a two day test at Jerez, but I think I'm going to ride one day next week because the way like their testing uh, rules go, you have seven preseason test days allowed before the season starts um or 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 no sorry like throughout the year so seven test days throughout the year and i want to they want to save two days i guess there's a two-day test at barcelona in a couple months so they want to save that um for that for for then and then so i'll probably just do one day at jerez and then yeah then we go to qatar few days there and then we go racing so it's uh it's all happening pretty quick but it's just been nice to like actually get on the bike you know like there's been so much preparation obviously like training and stuff like that but that's just kind of like the you know the normal stuff i've been doing throughout uh throughout i guess like the the past handful of years i've been racing um but just everything you know like getting my renting my house and just like all the the other stuff that comes with it just like getting here so it's so nice to just freaking get on the bike and uh get to work with with my guys and uh i'm just yeah we've been talking about this for for months you know and it's nice to to just like be in the now and do it be in the now and do it there's your answer yeah sorry i kind of host you on that one g-dub as far as the lead into that i i i wasn't i the jerez was kind of a guess but i figured they were going to probably go there for one last time so you know, and the limited amount of track time and testing that these guys get with the with the mandated test restrictions and things that they do won't hurt them too much. I think, um, you know, everybody thinks, oh, you got to be on a bike a lot. You got to be doing this a lot. But the learning the tracks, once he gets an idea of what he likes on the motorcycle, um, it's not going to take him long to, to go over there. And we got to remember, too, Greg, he's been over there before. So he's, there's some of these tracks he's already seen. So there's going to obviously be some new ones as well. But uh, I'm excited for Cam. I think, I think he's going to have a tremendous year. I think he's going to shock a lot of people, uh, maybe not so many of us over here, but he's going to shock a lot of people, much in the way I think Garrett Gerloff shocked a lot of people over in World Superbike. Yeah. You know, I'm reading things about Garrett now, like being one of the odds-on favorites this year, and it's like, you know, uh, him and Cam raced against each other. They pushed each other. They made each other better riders. I know that they're still close. I've seen some video of them, I think, even hanging out a little bit. Um, so the thing you've got to remember is that those two guys, uh, you know, they're representing us in two different series but they're both, I think, going to have a tremendous share, and I think it's exciting for Cam right now. Yeah, Garrett lives up in Andorra, like three hours away from Cam, but his trainer is in Spain, so he came to visit uh, – Garrett Gerloff came to visit Cameron already, and they yeah, used to live together. Great. Garrett used to live with Cameron. Before we move on from Bobier, and I know mm-hmm. that we're already so deep into this podcast with still tons to talk about, but um, – have you ever had a situation where you have crashed a bike and the part that you love isn't available and they put on a part you didn't love and you ended up 
Because the one thing that about Cameron a couple questions ago was talking about the bend in the bar, the 12 mm-hmm. degree bend, yeah. and yeah. how it opened up his body and allowed him to lean off a little bit more. Have you ever had that happen to you, a situation where it's like, oh, well, I didn't really want to try this, but now I've tried it. Let's just keep it. Well, yeah, I mean, the 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 probably it's it's crazy, but the one that that when you say it like that, I was trying to think. Oh man, I can't really think or really remember of th- something. There's been two things for me. Um, I was never a big hard front tire guy, and the, both these have both these have to do with Steve Rapp. Funny enough, but Steve used to love hard t- hard fronts, love 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 them, and I never liked them. And he had come from Michelin, where they would actually build him a a very very hard stiff carcass front tire and and when he came over to us at the jordan team um it was something that he that he really wanted he wanted to get a harder front tire all the time and when i finally tried it i loved it and the second thing believe it or not was stomp grip i mean you know me greg i like to be around the tank a lot and and i hold on with my legs and things quite a bit and um we we'd had a we'd had trouble at the test with with my bike it wouldn't run and they finally swapped tanks with with steve's bike uh, very late in the day, um, and and they threw his tank on my bike to see if that was the problem, which it was. But he had stomp grip on his tank, and I remember getting off the bike. First off, happy that my bike ran, but secondly, thinking I need to get that on my tank because I was never a gimmicky guy. I was always like, just give it to me the way it is. I'm going to figure it out. I'll make it work. And it was really something else for me. So sometimes you sometimes you find things by accident that you like. That's pretty cool. Well, yeah. thanks, Cameron, yeah. for taking the time. We appreciate it as always. Absolutely. Yeah. He's listening by the way. So thank you. Yeah. I love it. And you know, it's great. I, I, uh, I think that he's, like I said, I think he's gonna do a great job. Hopefully we can have him on the podcast throughout the year without bugging him too much. Uh, you know, Greg, over the last week here, we got to see bikes on track. Finally, MotoGP went and tested at Doha for their first little kind of shakedown test of the year. There was a lot of things coming out of this test. A lot of anticipation as always, on what these guys have been working on over the winter. There's obviously a lot of shakeup in teams uh, over the course of the winter as well. Um, and, and when you look at the end result at the end of this two-day test, um, not surprising, you know, Quattararo goes quickest late in the day of, this, of the last day, or late into the evening, I guess you could say, of the last day. Quattararo goes quickest over very impressive, and I think guy that's going to be hard to beat, Jack Miller ends up second on his debut ride. Both those guys on their debut rides with factory teams. Obviously, Quattro with the Yamaha team, Miller with the Ducati team. But what can you say? There's a couple guys on here, Alicia Spargo being one of them, ends up third uh, on the Aprilia. It looks like they've made some nice steps. He was only two-tenths off of the best lap that Quattro put down. Um, that If you remember, Greg, on the first day of the test, the Aprilia was actually the quickest. Uh, he dedicated that day to, um, you know, the passing of Fausto Grassini just recently. Uh, so great job for Aleish, ending up third on that bike. Morbidelli, fourth. Brattle, Zarco, Vinales, Mir, Bagnaya, Rins rounded out the top 10. We'll talk about these guys a little bit more in detail, Greg, as far as each one of them. But um, when you look at it, I don't think that the idea that Quattro and Miller were at the top even more Bedelli being in the top five was that big of a shocker. Um, Aleish I'll talk about in a second, but you got to think the man of the hour. I mean, it's kind of dominated my thought process the last like few days. How about Stefan Brodel being fifth? Hmm. Yeah. Does that impress you at all? Or am I overacting on that? No, it impresses me a lot. I mean, and it, it's honestly been a bit of controversy because some of the other teams now, especially with Brodel being so fast, he was, 
they had like a like um, a shakedown test, which which mostly the test riders and obviously Aprilia uh, on the first day, and Brottle was fastest on the second day. Brottle was what P two behind, or was he was he the fastest guy? Second at, fastest on day. Was that a Jerez? You mean right? When they no, did I'm the... talking about at Qatar. Oh, I'm the sorry. Qatar I'm test. sorry. Yeah, so the Qatar test, it was, you know, the one they just had, they had yeah. three days. Two two yeah. that they, they started That's doing right. after the flag and all that kind of stuff. But right. so Brottle was like fast P two, I believe, and then, you know, he's P three or whatever. And so the other the other teams are going like, Hey, why does he get to race in GP and be a test rider at the same time? So but Brottle just impressed, especially if you look down the timesheets and you look at the uh, what the other test riders have done, you know, the fastest what full time test rider I don't know, um, like Yamaha test one was 15th. So I think that that was Cal Crutchlow, right? So yeah. he was 15th fastest. Not and sure why it, they don't just put his name on there. Uh, yeah, I'm not really, because like, they can have anybody's anybody jump on and off the bike. On that particular bike. The bike is numbered, mm-hmm. yes. Right, yeah. because they Yamaha came with their full complement of test riders, like from yep. Japan yep. And, as well as. So yeah, so I think he was test, so he was 15th. But beyond that, you had like Pedroza was 25th. Ginsel Lee on the Suzuki was 26th. McKelly Piero was 27th. But then you look at development or test riders and Stefan Brottle overall is on, on the you know second day is P5, right? Yeah when, does like, a, yeah, when does a test rider not become a test rider anymore when he's able to go and ride the bike all the time? As Like what what's preventing them from making Mark Marquez a test rider per se, right? Like That's, that's the point. Right? That's, yep. yep. Because he's riding all the time and he's getting to ride at places and tests that all these other guys aren't able to ride. But the thing that's impressive to me the most about it is that when you look at Stefan Brodel's career, he's already had a pretty big career in MotoGP. I mean, he, the last years he rode for LCR Honda, if you remember, he had some pole positions and some strong rides on that motorcycle. I mean, Greg, I'm going back, and I'm guessing here, I'm going back six, seven years ago now, because he turned that into a ride at World Superbike, uh, where he actually was Nikki's teammate. And if you remember... The results there in World Superbike were nothing to, to be too proud of. I think he was there for a year, maybe two, lost that gig. Um, and, and all of a sudden, he's found a home as a test rider. But more importantly, he's not lost any pace. And if anything, he's probably gained some. And I know we're going on about a guy that finished fifth here. But you got to think that for Honda's sake, having a guy like that, I mean, again, you've got Gintali that's down there in 26, Danny Pedrosa, who's 25th. These are guys that have been racing currently, um, you know, uh, over the last few years that Brottle maybe wasn't doing as much other than testing. I think it's pretty impressive that he's three tenths off the quickest lap time turned in by Quattararo. So, but he was um, at the top of the timesheets one or two for most of it. Anyway. Yeah, and we, amazing. and we don't know what these riders are testing the tire situation. Correct. We don't know a lot. And here's the thing. We're not yeah, going to get exactly into, right. we're not going to get into each individual team or rider because you know, we're recording this on Tuesday. We posted on Wednesday. So in less than 24 hours from now, they're going to begin three more days of testing. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into, yep. you know, MotoGP. But there's a couple things that I do want to note. Number one, there's a guy on Twitter, Chris Pike, and he basically does all this analysis with, you know, spreadsheets and this and that. And he posted something up that basically is riders ranks based on their average lap times for all sessions. Now, what he did say was this. I had some spare time, so I adapted my Superbike timing information spreadsheet to the Qatar MotoGP test. This shows the average fast lap times and average top speed of all riders over the two days of testing, all out and in laps and quote-unquote touring laps have been removed from the calculation. 
So if you look at that, if you look at two days of testing, the fastest rider average lap time was a 155.56 Vinales, then Alicia Spargro, two tenths, like two thousand, a hundred yep. behind. Brottle's third. Brottle yeah. is third in right. all his average times at a 55.9. Then Rins, Quattararo, Morbidelli, Jack Miller in seventh, and on down the list. On top speed, 0.0 surprise for anyone. Ducati leads the way. Johan Zarco had average top speed across two days of 344.8K, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of 213 miles per hour, by the way. And then it was Jorge Martin. He's a small guy. Jack Miller, Bastianini, and and Peko Bagnaia. The next fastest would be Paul Espargaro. And and so the difference, though, between uh, Johan Zarco or Johan Zarco and Paul Espargaro is what maybe five mile per hour yeah five five to four mile per hour so you look at the overall jay and you go great ducati's bike is still wicked fast they were six of the top seven bikes in terms of speed honda makes up the rest all the way down to p9 and then rins is 10th on the suzuki so you got to sit there and say oh that's pretty amazing but here's the thing if you look at stefan brottle who is again third fastest in average lap times overall he was only 11th fastest in average top speed. So do we, Jason, put too much emphasis on top speed? Or is it a good sign of really what the power plant has to offer versus the electronics that are basically calming that engine down? What do you think? Well, I think that when you look at it as far as that, Greg, uh, the Ducati, the, 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 the usable speed at Doha is super key because you come out of a very kind of a slow corner coming onto that front straightaway and the finish line is quite a way down there. That's why we've been able to see Dobie take advantage of that so well on the Ducati over the years, being able to get through the corners obviously is a, is a, is a huge thing. Um, but if guys can't get by you going into turn one at Doha, in other words, if you pull a big enough gap where they can't get by you and lead you through a lap before you get to the straightaway again, it's going to make it hard for those guys to pass. Now they're going to be able to do some drafting, they're going to be able to draft. Even if you're three, four, five mile an hour off, you'll be able to get in the tow. So they'll be able to probably do something at the end of that straightaway. But it's going to make things a little bit more difficult. That's just why we've seen the Ducatis do so well there over the years. The fact that Zarco is going 213 mile an hour down that straightaway is incredible. You know, when we tested there, when we raced there back in the day, I think the endurance bikes, the world endurance bikes were doing around two minute flat. So which is pretty impressive when you think that's what is it greg 10 years ago probably now 10 Um, 10 years ago number one number two a motor that's designed to go 24 hours it's and well eight hour eight hours there um but yeah an endurance bike um but a lot of those teams would put in qualifying motors too so but that said they're still street bikes right so um when you look at the speeds the speed differentials The, the top world endurance bikes probably back then were doing 180 to 180, maybe 180 down the straight, I would say. Um, and these guys are going 213. Well, the, the fastest time, fastest top speed recorded was Johan Zarco at 351.7 wow. kilometers per hour, which equates to 218.54 miles an hour. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Nearly, nearly two. All right, Jay, let me ask you this question, okay? Since we're kind of blowing through MotoGP right now, I want to get your impressions. Most impressed and honorable mention of most impressed. Who who of this whole list impressed you the most out of this test in two days? It's hard to say, you know. Um, when I look I at know, it, that's why I'm putting the pressure on you, man. Let's I, go, I, it can be hard to say I, BS. 
Pick a pick a rider. Pick a team. Pick a rider. Pick a bike. Great. Pick something. What, when I look at this top ten, to me, Brottle is the most impressive. People are going to say Alicia Spargo, okay, yep. being third on the Aprilia, and I could definitely make the argument for that. But <clears throat> if you go back in history and you look at this Doha test, Alicia's always fast at Qatar. He's always fast. I mean, he came out last year, I believe. I believe it was last year, or the year prior. When Aprilia had a new bike and was just full of praise, this bike's going to be the one. It's going to take us to the front. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. And it didn't do anything. Is it? Is it kind of the same thing? We'll have to wait and see. Um, I think when you when you look at Jack Miller on the Ducati, there's probably a lot of pressure there for Jack right now. Um, he ends up second, but he's right where he needs to be. I think Zarco is impressive. I think when you look at what you said, Chris Pike put together. When you look at the average lap times, those are the ones that are probably going to be impressing you the most when you look at it. Vinales being the quickest overall averaging-wise, but we've seen that before with him. It's just so hard to put any stake in it, but then you go, well, Stefan Brottle was third. What's going to happen? I mean, how does it work, Greg? Is is Brottle's going to get wild cards, I'm sure. Now, and I'm saying that in the sense that if, if Marquez if Marquez rides at Doha, Brottle still has a seat or no? Do we know? I yeah, we know that he does not. Does he not to get to do a wild card there if he's there? I don't think so. Yeah. I'm, so the wild card thing for MotoGP we covered. I, I can't remember if I know wild cards are out for 2020. I can't remember if they're still out for 2021 because they're still because a the COVID thing going on. So I mean, I'm, this, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, we'll find out about Which that for sure. Makes right? no sense to me when you have all these different test riders at this test. I mean, it's they're already all there. You know that, but regardless of anything like that, the the rest of the top ten, I can't really say that there's anything there that really impresses me. I mean, okay, fine. I thought I thought I thought Oliveira would be further up the sheet. Uh, Makes me kind of wonder about the KTM's. Let's go to disappointment. Give me your top most disappointed and second. Rossi, Rossi's back in twentieth, and he's complaining about the same things. Has no grip, can't get off the corners. Didn't really get to do a time attack. If you read and you saw the things that he said. Um, but you're looking at a guy that's in 20th, his teammates sitting up there in fourth, 54-1, Rossi's at a 55-7, he's a second and a half more or more off of his teammate, um, and the and the chirping's going to start now. Like, is is there a seat that should be taken by somebody else? Rossi deserves that, that seat on that bike more than anybody there is. Um, and he didn't get to put in a time attack. If you look at if you look at his lap times, he did his quickest lap on 35 of 50. So he did 50 laps, <clears throat> 35th lap, and then I guess he had a he had a problem in the last hour of the test with his bike. Um, so he didn't really get to do a time attack. But I mean, Rossi back there in 20th, Greg, I guess would be the thing that you'd look at. I mean, Brad Bender, he's 24th. That's another bit of a shocker. I, I figured the KTMs might be a little bit further up and they might still be when they come into the test. Cause you look at Lekawona, Brad Bender, Danny Pedrosa, they are 23rd, 24th, 25th. So, you know, you, you, you kind of look at a little bit of that stuff and you got to think to yourself, I think the KTMs were a little bit of a disappointment. And I think Rossi, I, I mean, kind of nowhere to be seen. He's, he got beat by all the rookies. I uh, just want to caution everybody. Taka Nakagami, who's one of my favorites, finishes 13th. However, he did note after the test that the power delivery is so significantly different from the 19 to the 20 that he's on now that he's literally trying to relearn the new Honda. So 
don't panic, Nakagami fans. And oh, by the way, you know that <laughs> your boy. you know that my other boy, Ayogura, is in Moto Two now, right? You know that. Yes, I did know that. Yes, just checking. So yeah, again, Jason. I mean, what about I, you? What what are, what's your disappointment in this? Uh, I, I, I'm pretty much the same. I mean, I'm not surprised that the rookies didn't really break into the top ten. I think the disappointment has to be Valentino Rossi. There are so many stories we don't know. Like if you look at Likawona, for instance, he only did 38 laps. And I think yeah. he was like had the least amount of test laps uh, beyond the Yamaha test bikes, you know. And, Correct. and so you have to figure what's going on. There is speculation that, oh, you know, Suzuki's holding back. There's a lot of talk about launch devices, Jason. I don't know if you've seen that. But now these are, are front and rear, you know, launch devices. So there's a lot of conversation about that, about Ducati's arrow. But the problem is it's a little premature with three extra days of testing because these things have to be decided within the next three days. So I think you, if you if you hold something back, which I don't I, I can't imagine why you would. I mean, you've got to put time in. you've got to know how fast you can go in order to get things tuned properly. But anyway, that that aside, I but you know, with know the better. rookies, sometimes with the rookies. Like if you remember even back in the day when Jack Miller went from Moto Three to Moto GP, they made him go out and ride with like no TC, no like, hey, just go ride yeah, the bike around. Yeah, we don't want you bike. to like, yeah. And and you got to think that some of these guys had um, they had different maybe plans um, as far as a testing program goes, just to get their time on the bike and going into these next two or three days of testing that they're going to have, some of them will get ramped up for the rookies. So I didn't put a lot of stuff on that. I think Bastanini, I think Jorge Martin will, in my opinion, he will probably be the best rookie of the year. That would be my guess as of right now. Um, Bastanini was two tenths ahead of him at this test, but you know, I I look at it and I think to myself that possibly the rookies, uh, there's stuff that they're working through, obviously being first time on, on MotoGP bikes. Yeah. So that's MotoGP. We'll talk more about it next week because again, Three days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week, we're going to have a really good idea of how everyone stacks up because if anybody's holding any anything back, we're going to know by then because the race weekend starts and you only have those four crucial hours before you get to the morning warm-up on Sunday. All right, Jason, moving on to Supercross. They were at Daytona, and in the Premier 450 class, it was Eli Tomac who just whole-shotted the shit out of everyone and <laughs> put on a show. Yeah, he did. Uh, Cooper Webb uh, passed Aaron Plessinger right at the last minute. Plessinger was holding on to second place. I was pulling for him. Big fan of that kid. Ken Roxon in fourth. Malcolm Stewart, fifth. Great ride for him. Barsha Anderson, Chase Sexton, Justin Bogle. Dean Wilson in 10th spot. Thank you to Justin Bogle for passing oh, Dean Wilson. That must, must be a little fantasy thing there. Or RM fantasy, huh? On that mm-hmm. one for you. Two Did points. you have him as the wild card guy in 10th, huh? Yeah, two points yeah. for Ken Roxon <laughs> over Cooper Webb right now. This championship is getting nice and snug. They still they head to uh, Arlington, and so they have, what, six, seven, eight rounds left in this championship. Tomac, he made a statement, wants to claw his way back into the title, but he's still 24 points adrift. And with the way Roxon and Tomac are riding right now, good luck to him. In the 250 class, Jason, it was McAdoo over Styles Robertson, the old rookaroo. And Pierce Brown back in action on the box. Justin Cooper in fourth. March Banks, Hunter Lawrence, who won his heat and thought I was I thought he was going to be a podium contender. Yeah. Uh, Alex Martin coming back from that injury. Jalex Swole, great story for him. Cody Shock, Jordan Smith, the top ten in the points in the West. It after two rounds, it's McAdoo leading the way over Justin Cooper by four. 
points. Any Supercross stuff you want to talk about? A few things. Yeah, there's a few things. Number one, Webb's winning the championship. That's my opinion. Uh, You know, he's just too good. He's too consistent. We, we, you, you almost circled Daytona every year and figure it's a Tomac place. He's going to win. And, and he did, he smoked everybody. I mean, amazing. Yeah. I think that when you look at that race, um, rocks and road, amazing to get to the back of Cooper, but just, you know, at the end, he, he couldn't do anything. I think, James Stewart, uh, James Stewart, Bubba, his brother, Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm. Yeah, let me get that right. Malcolm is riding amazing. Like, kind of thought it would be a track that he would, you know, he doesn't do outdoors. So I kind of thought, oh, yeah, you got a good start. He'll probably, I picked him as actually 10th as in my picks as far as some of our fantasy stuff goes. Because I thought he'll kind of go backwards at the end. He didn't. He kept charging going forward. In fact, he wasn't even that far back at the end. But when you look at it, doesn't it just seem like, like Cooper Webb is just – he just has a way of always finding the podium. He wins when it's there in front of him. He always like is able to figure out a way to win. He ends up second. And on the last lap, Greg, it didn't even look like he was going to get anywhere near Aaron Plessinger, who ends up with his career best finish a third. And it's just like that. It's like that one more little knock on poor Roxon, who I think all of us would love to see win the championship. You know, Roxon gets to the back of Cooper, can't get by him, makes a mistake, catches back up. And then just to add insult to injury, he gets to watch Webb throw somebody between him and and the podium, which is Plessinger, who ends up third. Um, I think in the 250 category, Cooper Webb, how fast was he? I mean, not Cooper Justin Webb, Cooper. sorry, Justin Cooper. I, I'm, I, he was so fast in that 250 class, coming from as far back as he did. Uh, pretty amazing stuff. It, that said, great to see a new winner with McAdoo and Robertson doing as well as he did. I, I enjoyed Daytona this year. I thought I thought uh, there were some criticisms about the track. Track was fast, wasn't it? I mean, how fast it, was that It was track? fast. I, listen, I liked it. I mean, I was yeah. literally on Twitter and, and getting ready to send a tweet, and then I thought, nah, I won't do it. But because I was going to compliment Ricky, I thought it threw a great challenge at people. And just yeah. because it's not, you know, it, it, I mean, I thought it was fine. I thought the sand section was cruel, but in a good I, way. But I kind of liked it. I mean, there's I certain it. sand sections that they have that like, are not oh. as good, but man, like, did it Ricky, look hard. How dare oh. you? Yeah, it looked really difficult. And th- I want to go back really quick, just just briefly, um, as you know, I look at numbers and all that crap in terms of the 450. The one thing Cooper Webb, if you go look at, at riders' best times, Cooper Webb of the top five was the only rider who didn't break into the 109s. So the best time for Eli Tomac was a 9.3, Plessinger 9.4, Roxon 9.3, and Malcolm Stewart 9.6. But Cooper Webb's best time was a 10.2. Yeah. It shows me that Cooper Webb, he doesn't necessarily have to have the fastest lap time out there because more than likely that time was done on the second lap, right? Like when the track is probably at its probably best. Probably pretty good. Yeah. And, and But Cooper is able to just click him out and, can, and to be the most consistent rider. So even though he doesn't have the fastest time, he was literally nine-tenths of a second off a of Tomac's fast time. He only ends up 3.8 seconds behind him overall. So it's it's just that – I mean, all right, I do want to say Muscan was another rider who did a 9.8, but he ended up 14 laps down. But So what I'm saying What happened is, to him? I, 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 I saw something, him pull off and something broke, but I never really got to read yeah, about I don't what know. happened. I didn't so. read about it either, so I don't know. It looked like he was right. having an argument with his mechanic or something, but it's a shame for Marvin because he is definitely on point as well. And and honestly, Jay, if you if you look at it like that, okay, if you look at – the two, I think, riders that are surging at the right time, they're both teammates. They're both Marvin Muscan and Cooper Webb. And you know as well as I do that Muscan can definitely help Cooper in this championship hunt as well. 
Cooper's not on his own, and Muscan has the speed to have an impact on that championship. So, that's yeah, I just that. kind of expected more from him. I know he's coming off an injury from last year, but Muscan just kind of seems to go backwards a little bit in some of these races. And uh, this one, it kind of seemed like he was holding his own, and then he had a problem with the bike or whatever had happened. So, bum for him. But where are they at this week? They're in Arlington. Arlington, Texas. That's Arlington, right. Texas. Well, as you know, if you are on the podcast with us, Greg and I are, you know, for our second year straight, we did the Pulp MX Fantasy Supercross uh, deal. And this year it's been fun again. Not as much fun as last year, <laughs> I have to say. Um, G-Dub's in his normal spot, which is huh. way, way down. But Greg, I'm going backwards. I actually didn't have that bad of a night, G-Dub. And, and I... And I I like dropped a spot. I think I was, I think I was twenty third or something going into the week. I didn't have that bad of a week, and I dropped a spot. So I'm in that spot right now where I need huge weeks to catch up. Uh, Schobert one twenty six leading the way and a little bit now pulling away from uh, from Poncho there. Twenty one ninety is the points that Schobert has. Twenty one fifty eight. It really has kind of come down between three. Three guys, Schobert, Poncho, and Hucklebuck Racing goes 21-20. Then we have a pretty big gap back. But I'm looking at Michael Gilbert, and I'm having to deal with him every week. He's in seventh. <laughs> oh, it's killing me. He's in seventh. There's a couple of my boys that are, are ahead of me I'm not happy about. Nick Siling's ahead of me. Only just, but he still is ahead of me, so it counts. And then I've got right behind me, I've got, I've got Dougie from Wisconsin right behind me. Like, he's five points and he's tied with Kevin. They're both five points behind me. So if those guys beat me, I'm going to have grief. Um, where are you at in this? I see Kyle Wyman's 33rd. So he's I'm a little 70, back. 72nd place on page two, middle of page two. Skip Axon's ahead of me in 68. Chuck Axon's ahead of me in 54th. SV oh, Beast is there in 54th. This uh, is DJ. Yeah. I, G-Dub, what is it? Like, I don't understand. Like, uh, Mini I mass would, hole. Mini mass would, hole's catching me. I would think that you could just get lucky one week and score a bunch of points. And I had all eight riders in. I don't. I mean, I know second. I missed a round. I missed one round, but 72nd. Uncle my Skip missed two rounds. Dude, my average is absolute junk. I mean, it's 190. Oh, you suck so bad at it. I I just got to think. And, and then the other, just so that you guys, all of our listeners know, we did another Another RM fantasy one with Uncle Skip. He started uh, one, and that's Godzilla. just pure money, which is good. That's the one that's really important because it's cash involved. Oh sh- yeah, 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 yeah. She knows why dead. Is it so important. Ah, it just is. You're dead last. And where are you, Jason? I would be leading that one, G Dub. I'm actually yeah, leading that one. That's why it's so important. That's, that's the important one. That's the one where the cash is, and. I mean, I just well not I for gotta, the rest of the people in in, in Pulp MX Fantasy. It, 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 listen, even if you're late to the party, come join us, okay? Or yeah. or if you're join in our pool from last year, just go pick a team once because that you're going to be eligible for some other stuff. I'm randomly going to pick some Moto America Live Plus uh, codes, so you'll have Moto America Live Plus for the year once I get those codes. But the winner, the winner's out of reach for a lot of people. You know, the winner's out of reach, and, and they're going to win an, a Rye <laughs> helmet of their choice. But still, come on, people, participate, okay? And Jason's yeah, been pretty good. Don't even talk about this private thing. All right. So whatever. That one's a fun. I mean, <laughs> RM, that's RM Supercross Fantasy. That one's cool because you, if you, if you miss it, your team rolls over. And to be completely honest, in the week that I missed a couple weeks ago was my yeah. highest points haul in RMX Fantasy because the picks from the week before rolled over into the next week. <laughs> just bad at this, GW. You're just not good at it. 
I mean, that's no. just the reality. I don't mean to be that harsh, but that's the reality of it. Is Kolb in our stuff? David Kolb. He, he doesn't even like he's he doesn't like supercross he doesn't like dirt track he doesn't like any of that stuff so that's where i think you have your big shot at him i think that you should challenge him to a race on the on the dirt track did you see what he got in the mail last week uh, he's so happy with his helmet you mean yeah oh he's so happy he got a he johnny is. ray replica dude and i said dude tag johnny in it and uh maybe johnny will uh respond but I haven't if talked they, to Cole yeah, about it. If that happens, Cole will just be he's all happy because Tony Elias actually on one of his posts said, you know, great riding, David, or something. And at that point, it, David could have just over. been done riding. Oh yeah. His, you know, and now he's like big Tony fan. What's Tony doing? Is Tony not riding? Uh right now he's not riding now. We we're, we're supposed to talk a couple days ago and then and we didn't get a hold of each other. But hopefully I'll have an offline conversation with Tony about his future. I'm not sure. I mean he's busy being a dad now. He's got two little ones and it's like I don't know. It just seems kind of weird. We haven't really heard anything about that. I yeah. I, I, mean, I mean we I, got I our test coming series, up in a couple of what do we we got a test coming up at the end of this month, don't we? We do. So right, like literally we go to Chuck Walla for the CVMA final round of, or maybe it's not the final, maybe it's, it's not the final one. Yeah. It's not the, the final penultimate one. round. Yeah. And then we go straight from that weekend where I'll be racing Kolb and battle of the olds to, to the test at Coda. So yeah, we go straight there. Don't we? Um, Sunday night, you and I drive to LAX, catch plane Monday morning. Exactly. Yeah. That's going to be great. I can't believe it's all happening this quick. It's good. I know. It's a lot of content. Thanks for hanging with us. I know we're deep into this thing. On next week's show, we're going to talk about MotoGP test again, like I mentioned. We're going to talk about the Daytona 200 results. Maybe even talk to the winner. Who knows? There's so much content to talk about. And of course, Arai News with some Supercross stuff, fantasy, um, you know. uh, But look, most likely next week's podcast, we're going to be doing it from a garage in Chuckwalla together. Have we ever done... A podcast actually in the same room yet? One hundred. No, uh, you know what we did that we didn't we do that YouTube one at Laguna where we sat down and we interviewed a oh, couple through, of guys. Yeah, yeah, that's right. JD Beach or I can't remember if it was JD, but yeah, I know we had right. a couple of guys. Remember that? That was it. Yeah, that was actual broadcast thingy. That was really cool. But for us, um, yeah, I got to figure out how to do this, and then we're gonna do it sitting in the same room together, and probably with a lot of people around us laughing and poking fun. But it should be really interesting because. Us doing 116 of 117 podcasts without seeing each other. Yeah, it's, it, I think it'll be a little bit different because we'll be able to flip each other off and things of that nature. So I would um, never. Yeah, look ahead to the week's race calendar. Of course, the day two, Daytona 200 is on Saturday from the Speedway. Uh, Supercross is on Arlington. AMA Flat Tracks at Barberville, Florida, Friday and Saturday nights. They kick off their season. NHRA Pro Stock is in Gainesville, Florida. GNCC. In Washington, Georgia, Mid-South Cross Country, in Tennessee, and in France, because we know you're listening in France, all 1% of you, FIM X Trial World Championship. So a ton of stuff going on. We are getting into the full-blown season of motorcycle racing, Jason. I'm excited as this podcast rolls on, keeps going. We appreciate everyone uh, listening. If if you want to get a hold of us, we're on social media. Make sure that you... Do all the proper things, which is uh, subscribe to our channel, you know, so you'll get notifications and all that kind of stuff. Things I should probably start saying at the beginning of the podcast. But we don't because we don't. And now, hey, is the 200 on Saturday? It's on Saturday, right? 200 on Saturday. It starts at one o'clock. Yeah. Eastern. Eastern. So that's 10 o'clock our time. You're going to be rolling around L.A. or doing whatever you're doing Saturday. And I've been to be teaching all day, so I'm not going to get to see it. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably be on my way to was. Chuck. I'll probably be on my way to Chuck Walla. Yeah. Um, I am running into a little bit of a problem about, you know, coming out this weekend, but uh I don't know. Should I say it? Yeah, say it. It's ought to be good. Go on. I I don't fit into my leathers. <laughs> it's so good. I just love it. It's all right. We're going to find some big boy leathers for you. Well, I've reached out to Alpine Stairs. They're working on it right now. So I can zip it up. What are they up. working on? Killing more cows? What, what are they working on? God, do I really want to say this on this podcast? Well, you brought it up. And we're already, if, there's nobody listening by this point anyways. So, so it's like we're having a conversation. The size of it, I mean, part of it is because I'm so tall. Okay, that's that's part of it. Because I'm yeah, tall that's and the I'm problem. Big. No, that's, it, it is part uh-huh. of it because oh, yeah. they, they literally make suits larger than the suit that I have. They just don't carry them. They don't right. keep them in stock. Yeah. So they're they're working on it right now to figure that out because I can zip the suit up with the weight that I have lost, but I cannot get a back protector in there. Mm. Or or breathe. So <laughs> Well. We're working well, on it. We're working on it. Rumor yeah. is there's a suit around. I mean, I'm still coming out. I'm still coming out, but that's not the issue. So well, you're not gonna be able to not gonna be able to ride in jeans and a sweatshirt. I mean, I, I guess you that. could. Well, I do have an option actually for a two piece suit from Alpine Stars, a brand new two piece, but I'm not doing that. That's shameful and dangerous. Mm. But anyway, I'll get it sorted. I'll be on a bike. Either way, I'll find some leathers. We'll get it sorted out. I have all the confidence in the world in Alpine Stars and the help that they're trying to provide. So we'll see. I know that we're actually going to be doing some promo video. Did you know that? I heard. I heard there's going to be something going on like that. Yeah. I'm trying to think yeah. of what I'm going to do. But we'll, 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 we'll be able to figure all that out when you get here. And we'll be able to discuss yeah. it over the course of the weekend. All right. So anyway, let the shame begin, I suppose. No, you'll be all right. Let's go. You'll be fine. We we got a big boy suit. So don't swear, don't stress it. 